I have an interesting story to catch everybody up from from last week. So as I'd mentioned to the both of you off air, uh, I I had a bit of a malfunction at the junction whilst I was uh, gathering materials at work the other day. Uh, I realized I I left out one of the most crucial elements of the story. So allow me to reconvene while the audience can listen and we can all share in my foibles. And this is why I'm probably going to die young. But uh, so I was going in and doing what we call runs. So grabbing Internet orders from the floor. So I was in the children's section, which is very crucial to this. I was squatting down to a shelf which is essentially at least only like six inches off of the floor and this yeah so you have to kind of and these are board books so they're not very robust anyway i was getting a copy of good night moon i shit you not when the seat of my pants ripped open leaving my testicles very you know bathed in in the glorious cool glow that was the air that started (laughs) to to pepper my testicles i then in a not so sotto voce fashion said fuck me whilst in the children's section holding a copy of goodnight moon with some parents in very close proximity to me and thankfully i i did not have enough of a calamity where i was fully exposed to the general public it was secreted enough away in the nethers of my crotch that uh, i i was able to finish the rest of my work shift with the jeans blown out so so thick uh, thighs not only save lives but jobs uh (laughs) well they certainly don't save your inseam i'm gonna tell you that right now but uh, yes i realized i'd forgotten that yes good night moon is what hearkened into my moon actually becoming a full one so it was just delightful if only i had grabbed a copy of go the fuck to sleep after that i would have been fit to be tied but Mm. bare assed and all and you know what i said when my testicles finally cooled down from the the you know terrible sort of sauna heat that they had had prior to that by the eternal (laughs) behold behold it is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm Doc. And I'm Michael. It's also important to note that within our store, they have a uh, a section where they have all of the material published on U.S. presidents, and they're actually in order that the presidents were serving in office, which Ooh. is a delight for me because I play Sporkle quizzes to guess, you know, and remember what, you know, as we've talked about previously, the order of the, uh, you know, presidents as they served. Who was it? Was it Garfield that did the two terms non-consecutive? Uh, yes, Garfield is the only uh, non-consecutive serving president. Yeah, yeah. So how do they go with him? Do they do a little bit, like half of his section before, and then they jump and then they come back? I have, I have. From what I understand, I think Odie actually is in the middle and separates, and then there's more Garfield. But now Nermal, I haven't seen in that section, and I don't know why. It's a poor representation. You don't know why. Why would anyone want to know anything about Nermal? Oh, man. Hot take. Annoying cat. Get that cat out of here. The reason I was mentioning this as well is all of this harkens back to, of course, one of our greatest leaders and uh, (laughs) ribald bastards. President Jackson, who mm-hmm. issued the inimitable <laughs> phrase by the Eternal Boys, oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. the ghost. So, if only we had known. Only. Yes. And knowing well, is half is, the battle. At least his impact is still felt today. 
Definitely. lot of crying. <laughs> yes. A lot of tears. A whole trail uh, of them. Not not nearly as many tears as there once were, though. Uh, I disagree, because uh, the Supreme Court is definitely causing some folks who have been abused by President Jackson to start crying again. It's, you made a uh, face, Michael. Because that's <laughs> all the water they got. Yeah, <sighs> you, made, you made a face. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be just as many tears. I'm just saying that, sadly, there's less tears to be had as a result of the trail. No, that's what I was thinking. I made a face because yeah. I was like, that was a morbid joke. <laughs> I Okay, I had to process <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Because, again, we are pale, pigmented folks talking about the plight of others that we have never experienced. But, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, like you were saying, though, oh, my gosh, what I, a I have. Yeah, I, I have never been as exasperated by just hearing something in the course of casual conversations like, oh, by the way, you know what they just got rid of? Like, oh, fabulous. Why not? Yeah, it's it's mind blowing, too. It, like, it really feels like they're reaching to to find excuses to be able to like you know do these things because like with the affirmative action we've this has already long since been settled and yet it's like let's reach for the same thing with the uh the student loan going against the um the will the states that have their own programs and everything like that to, 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 to even yeah to even like you know kind of like have this court like this this case tried in front of them like it's it's pretty insane to me because it felt like quite the reach just to be able to uh, circumvent the Heroes Act, especially because I think in the majority opinion, I think Robert said something to the effect of like the administration has the right to uh, modify the like re- regulations that are mm. it, but doesn't have the right to rewrite it from the ground up. But it's like, what does that mean? You can modify it, but you can't rewrite it. And I'm like, okay, well then, does that just mean that you know, okay, you can modify it, but only to a certain extent after, but when it's too significant of a modification, then it doesn't count. But you know, it's it's very strange to say the line is drawn at how many trips he's been taken on by the person that wants it changed. Yeah, (laughs) nice, like a a good fishing trip. All right, you could change a sentence or two. You take me to the Bahamas. Okay, all right, yeah, you know what. You can t- change a whole paragraph. Let my mom live in the house still, you know. Yeah. But I, but that's I, not even the most frustrating one. Mm. You heard about the one with the website creation with the, oh, you can discriminate against LGBTQ people on religious objections, right? No, didn't no. So, this one. And, uh, this one is even more, because this happened today in a, di- I think it was, today a- a- of recording. Today uh, in politics. Exactly. Um, so... Someone hypothetically, uh, so she was a website creator, and this is based off of what I've read. Hypothetically, she received someone asking to um, build a website for her. Oh, yeah. And so it wasn't someone actually trying to purchase a website from her that was about a wedding. It was this person and their uh, him and his husband just like wanting design ideas or something like that. I don't even yeah. know if they purchased an a part of the purchased any sort of service, but it was taken to the Supreme court and the people that were a part of the, the, the two, the, the two married, the couple, they weren't really like, they didn't know what was going on because a, um, a journalist actually in like, uh, tried to interview one of them. And he wasn't even aware that there was a whole court case over someone attempt uh, over them attempting to get information about maybe building a website. Like they didn't pay for a service to build a website, and this so, person was like, "I don't want to build a sa- any sort of same sex wedding websites, and this is against my religion." And they ruled in favor of her. So you can technically uh, discriminate against 
uh, LGBTQ people if for, if you have strongly held beliefs against it. Well, listen, on this one, I got to side with the person. I mean, it says right in the Bible, don't build websites for homosexuals. Like, yes. it, like uh-huh. Jesus was very clear about how I to remember. use the internet. It was Ecclesiastes <laughs> 3.27. Yes. Yeah, it was there was a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't he yeah, he laid out what URLs to visit, what URLs you know, like to go to. Specifically, yeah. he did say scan this QR code. Exactly. Both the uh, the devil and spiders will cultivate their web and you must flee from this. <laughs> flee as though your very lives depended on it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, normally, religion, you know, in the Bible, it's so ambiguous, it can be, like, you know, interpreted so many different ways, but when it's just so clear-cut and dry here... Like, like, <laughs> Thou shalt not build a website for same-sex marriages. Yes, that's the yeah. 18th uh, of the <laughs> commandments, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ad- addendum Revised is being edition. added. Yes. <laughs> New International Edition. The 18th. Yeah, it's absurd <laughs> the stuff that gets to the Supreme Court and the people that bring it. Like that, it's that ab- person bringing it forward is an idiot. The two people from Texas that like took the, the student loan stuff there because they weren't eligible. F- well, one wasn't eligible for any of it and one wasn't eligible for the full 20,000. So they like took it to the Supreme Court basically like, Oh, if I don't get the full benefit, then nobody should get the benefit. And they actually got their stuff. Oh, just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm just going to my blanket commentary for the whole thing is the supreme court is ridiculous i think that i will just bold font that and that's the entire i clarence thomas alone has been such a galling presence for even the past 20 years let alone mm-hmm. the last few so i just Him and that, his wife. i was gonna say that that he has managed to maintain a position at all is just smocks of hypocrisy and then added to which the individual who is uh, adjudicating the case down in florida which is making me even more vexed where i'm like okay so we just got homers all over the place here and uh i i look forward to to you know broadcasting from australia next year <laughs> uh, it's gonna I, be a grand time I think the best, um, the best like commentary that I heard about the affirmative action thing, uh, was I think, I think it was the president of the NAACP saying the worst thing about affirmative action was Clarence Thomas. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty good. Zing. I, yeah. I liked Michelle Obama's like commentary regarding the response to it about how they're still going to be, you know, uh, like unfairness in the, in, like, you know, if you're rich, it, you have affirmative action there essentially just because, you know, if you can afford tutors or if you can pay for like, you know, a donations to the, you know, your kids are still going to get to go through that ne- so- that, those Nepo babies. I think that's yeah. that's still that's still hip amongst the youths that phrase Nepo babies. <laughs> Nepotism. I have seven of I have seven of those on a shelf behind me. One of them's a hippo. Oh, <laughs> tie Nepo babies. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know we're normally not a political podcast, but uh, occasionally we do stick our, our wicked in from time to time when things are just so galling as to make us nauseous on the face of it. And I, yeah, I, you know, that this country was supposedly founded. Now, granted, the reality for those who study history is, is that, you know, it's a prison colony. Uh, but it was purportedly <laughs> founded by people who were seeking religious freedom. I just look forward to the exodus that is going to be made by the rest of us who are trying to get away from this purported religious freedom for everybody who shares the right religion. But mm-hmm. uh, that's the only 
comment that I'm going to wrap up in. But uh, anything else we want to add uh, as a, a punchline to that particular segment there? Oh, just that it's interesting to see how America is devolving. I mean, I'm I can't imagine that I, I we have to be on the the brink of some sort of major institutional change. I mean, the Supreme Court, as an example, is a great idea in theory, but clearly in practice, it's not living up to its ideals as this like bipartisan third wing that can be a good check and balance on the system when now it's just become politicized that I just got to imagine that there's got to be some change coming in the next sometime in the next generation or two. Which is why I was so upset when I realized my current job signed me up for a 401k. <laughs> I was I was checking and I was like I got substantially less money than I should have and I checked cuz I already have a fidelity cuz that's where I bought my GameStop stock oh no straight to the moon <laughs> and I noticed there was an additional line on there and I'm like oh cool so that's money I'm never going to get back I don't want a 401k I'll probably be dead by then I don't want to pay 20 20% in taxes for that shit well, and I did look that up do they match though? Because if they're matching, it's like it you doesn't definitely matter. Should... I'm gonna be dead. <laughs> well, no. uh, well, yeah, well, before we start going, I just want uh, to have an appropriate but, segue here. That uh, speaking of diamond hands, I believe that is something that Schmedley Schmucker actually does get after his 17th tour in Nicaragua, if mm. I remember the story correctly. Yes, full yes. chest tattoo first, and then diamond hands, and then third step. Straight to the moon. That's that sounds about accurate. In a Lambo, he has the first recorded Lambo. Indeed, he's he a Nepo it. baby Lambo. Oh God! I tell you, Smedley would be right here with us, complaining about how the no, rich are having say, saying straight to the moon in a Lambo. <laughs> in a Nepo Lambo. That's actually the title of Smedley Butler's first released musical album. Nepo Lambo, I believe that's going to be released 2026. It's a full mixtape that's going to be taken from his speeches, just sort of cut up by chat GPT and converted into songs. And he I did think, actually uh, record himself singing Fly Me to the Moon. Rihanna does a remix of one of it, too. Yeah. Who has Ooh. it? I thought he was the one that perpetrated violence, not the one that received it. What's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if he was here I, today, no. my apologies. This is not the time to be making those jokes. Okay, oh. really back in. But uh, so, uh, welcome to the White Privilege Podcast. Uh, what do we do here? What we typically do on this glorious show is we like to talk about random esoterica, and in the course of explaining it to one another and y'all who are listening, we lie occasionally. That is the shtick. It has been delightful for at least 87 of our 202 episodes. And uh, yes, yes, we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. But in spite of everything, the co-hosts have to listen attentively most of the time and try to ferret out the fact from the fiction as we listen. And uh, even if we don't get it correct, however, as we get to the end of the episode, there's a little denouement, an explanation, if you will, of what was lied and why or, or what was lied about and why ah. so that you can. Yes, what was lied? Who who well, was lied? Who How was, was lied? lied? Why? Why was lied? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? 
Um, <laughs> but we, we have a day in while we explain what we lied about and why and why it was funny or not. And uh, so you do not leave disinformed. But as we all know, last week we discussed the life and times or the life and crimes, the misadventures, if you will, of one grand marine, Mr. Schmedley Butler. And I, we are going to reconvene this week with 80% less Ventura, I think, is, is what I understand. But I oh, make no that's guarantees. Unfortunate. I, I mean, I, I got some very interesting commentary from, from friends and fans in the course of listening to it. And some people were, were riotously entertained. Others asked, who is this weird lispy man you're, you're impersonating? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, a little internet research. Maybe there is a future topic in that won't be opposed to that well we can we can chat about how he was a navy shield but uh all right moving on doc what have you got for us this evening for part two well of course by the point where we left off last time world war one was being fought and butler much to his disappointment was not assigned to a combat command on the western front well he was still Dang. somewhat recovering from his tangle in the banana hammock or the underwear rebellion or um you know one of the myriad other skirmishes he was entangled in right or All just his little spy mission yeah mm-hmm. 100 degree fever yeah yeah so and he was in operation monopoly <laughs> you know, I really, I really feel like Smedley was one of those guys. Like, you know, he either has to go, you know, full out, you know, one hundred or nothing, out. right? Yeah, I, I basically, because I mean, think about the time where basically nothing amounted basically. for him, and he just returned home and lit, lounged around, depressed. You know, had a nervous breakdown for those mm-hmm. nine months. So if he doesn't have some fire under his ass to get him going, I, I felt like he's probably just depressed. So you're saying Smedley also attempted to grab a copy of Goodnight Moon off of the lowest shelf? That's right. And okay. uh, he yeah. can't go to that kid section again. Nope. No, he's been unlike, unlike you, it was a full moon. Yes. Uh, I dip, you dip, we dip. He gave them the full butler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Smedley butt hair, part two. Here we go. That's right. All right. So. Smedley did make several requests for a posting in France during World War I, but all of them were denied. While Butler's superiors considered him brave and brilliant, they also described him as, quote, unreliable. He's going to go and enmesh himself in a bunch of French whores. We've already had to chide him and remove him from a leadership position because he was just covered in naked girls. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you got this guy that's, uh, you know, your kind of most kick-ass Marine there, clearly proving himself in the battlefield. But also, you know, his own superiors are like, this guy's kind of unreliable. I don't know if we can count on him. Well, we give him a leader. when you got a full, you know, chest tattoo, I imagine that doesn't speak to your, you know, mental solvency. And, you know, he kind of wasn't used to trench warfare. He was, you know, worse uh, used to insurgencies and, and you know, taking over governments and all that other stuff. A little bit different. They were oh. probably like, we can't release him on France because the next thing we know, France will be like a, a puppet state under us. And I don't think we can handle that. I mean, it sounds based on some of the stories about his debauchery. He was definitely used to trench warfare. <laughs> That's how he got 104 degree fever when he was down there in Panama. That, that's <laughs> nice callback. I like. Thank it. you. Thank you. So, all right. Well, after a few years of really kind of pressing for this, in October 1918, at the young age of 37, 
as I say as a 37-year-old myself, he was finally promoted to the rank of Brigadier General and placed in command of a camp in France that sent out troops across Europe. And I might pause for one moment just to backtrack and say, gentlemen, we have two lies this evening. Thank you. (laughs) I was going to ask. Oh, uh, so in that case, was it October 1918 that he was sent out? Was he promoted? That's correct. He was promoted in October 1918. Yes, if you were wondering if I just came across by like, notes that mm. said, oh, this is the lie, and then felt the need to remind. <laughs> lie no, I, <laughs> here. Well, he wasn't sent to France. No, 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 no lies. No they lies sent detected. him to the Netherlands, <laughs> so, where he can dig those trenches all day long. But in all honesty, this 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 promotion and being placed in command of a camp, really not that glorious. Uh, so the camp had been extremely unsanitary. Uh, As, overcrowded, yeah. muddy, disorganized, literally shit everywhere. And, uh, so not exactly the, you know, the, the dream position to be in command of, right? He wants to be sending troops into battle and commanding them himself. And instead it's like, here, manage this, you know, shit filled camp. Manage yeah. this shit. Ah, also shit reference again. <laughs> Y'all just described my 400 foot compound down here in the Baja. <laughs> it's covered in it's covered in boar shit is what it is. I was but. gonna say, yeah, mm-hmm. that it's a little bit different. Smedley Butler's human shit, yours boar shit. Well listen, <laughs> I, I, I eat as much of it as I can, but there's only so much bread that I can put it on. Exactly. Oh, but- <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you tell me how you fight typhoid, okay? <laughs> Good point. Two Ventura's, one cup. Oh. <laughs> I don't. I don't use cups. I use my hands. I'm off grid. <laughs> All right. Well, so, <laughs> so probably like Jesse would, Smedley uh, decided to quickly, you know, get things in order and clean this place up. Right. So he had his men go get duck boards from the trenches uh, that were no longer in use and carted the first one up himself. In fact. Uh, a four mile hike uphill to the camp. Uh, Both so ways. The, ju- well, just the one way. But, you know, as a badass, he says, hey, guys, you know, we got shit everywhere, we got mud everywhere. We need stuff that's going to work for us uh, to be able to sleep on. So we're not sleeping in the mud. So he sends him and his guys go down. They pick up all those duck boards and stuff and they hike them back four miles back to the camp. Uh, like I said, him, he himself doing the very first one. So he's not one of those leaders that is going to tell people what to do while he sits on his ass. He's uh, definitely uh, somebody that practiced servant servant leadership, right? So lead he's a by man example. of action. Yes, and right. we kind of so, got that from yeah. last episode when well, he charged one hundred four degree fever and all that other fun stuff. That's true. I guess if he's going to do that, it's not necessarily surprising that he'd go with the guys and, and pick <laughs> I was up. Going to say, yeah, ten to one odds fighting a group of mangled Haitians versus let's carry some boards a, a few hundred yards. Yes. Yeah. Well, four this- miles in the snow uphill both ways. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Mister Cosby. Well, so doing this earned Butler yet another nickname, Old Duckboard. God damn, duck how no, many monikers no. does this man have? <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't a nickname. Get out of here with that. No, that's his yeah. Go in and get in the uh, the duckboards and stuff for the guys to sleep on. Got him that nickname. Okay, so he's monikers. old he's old gimlet eye, he's old duckboard, he's old bitch fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he's got got a long list of uh, uh, nicknames there. Uh, Mother Bitch, I think, was one of his. uh, (laughs) That was uh, I I broke Melissa today with that because I got frustrated while I was trying to put stuff into the refrigerator. I said, Mother 
bitch. And uh, <laughs> apparently that was a new enough curse that I got a chuckle on that one. So typically she That's hates good. that word. Can't stand it. But uh, Mother? Yes. <laughs> she has, like me, watched the Alien franchise enough that she has just got a hatred of Mother. Only spelled with the uh, the U, however. Got mm-hmm. Gotta clarify. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I figured you were saying. Wayland yutani and all of its goddamn corrupt subsidiaries. Disgusts me. With the little ears around nowadays, I'm trying to tone back my own swearing now. <laughs> so, so like, times where I get frustrated, instead of being like, goddamn son of a bitch, it's usually like, god bless America. <laughs> so oh, we're, that's corny as shit. I'm so sorry. It, within but like it's true. Two, within two minutes now, we have done three Bill Cosby bits. So I, I just want to mention that the impact apparently still reverberating. Uh, gotta give me them yeah. chocolates and some chocolate pudding. Chocism? Some, some of that there, some of that there chocolate pudding. Zippity I feel zoop. like the the uh, Supreme Court has given us the chocisms today. Well, I think Definitely. that's actually what Cosby called what he would sprinkle in the drinks. Oh fuck! Oh god! All right, we went darkest timeline. <laughs> never, uh, I, I, no, never, nope, 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 I'm good. I'm I good. was just pointing out a very puerile joke of his was saying, like, fathers sound like imbeciles because they try to filter themselves instead of curse. So I was like, what the? Who the? Where's your mother? So God bless America. Indeed. God bless America. What are you, Smedley Smucker? That's right. Well, during the war, Smedley engaged again in hand-to-hand combat, this time with the Germans (laughs) during their invasion of France. In fact, at one point, he ran diving into an enemy trench, tearing both quads during the process. No. But being... (laughs) Yeah, no. Get out of here. You're not Vince McMahoning (laughs) him into this here. I'm sorry. I don't believe you, McMahon. All right, well done. <laughs> well done. Shane. You're not sneaking a Vince McMahon <laughs> reference by me on this show. No. Uh, have you well, seen that video of him blowing his yes, quads? Yes, it is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, have you seen what his son did at the oh, most recent terrible. WrestleMania? Did he do the same thing? He, Didn't he blow bl- oh, both no. quads? He, he he tore one as he was jumping. And it's one of the most painful things to watch. <laughs> but the way Snoop Dogg came in and saved the show, hats off. Well done. It's a hell of a sucker punch, yes. Yeah. But uh, but yes, you're correct. That is, in fact, a lie. He did Alrighty. not dive in tearing both quads. I was curious if I'd be able to squeak that one by. Even uh. I caught that one. <laughs> All right. Well, for his exemplary service, he was awarded both the Army Distinguished Service Medal and the Navy Distinguished Service Medal. And the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Now, it was the television title, but yeah. I, I, he oh, was fighting. Oh, he corrected. Was, no, he was in another country. It was the Intercontinental. I'm sorry. It was the European Championship, actually. No, this was before the advent of the European Championship. That came out in 1998. <laughs> Just got um actually, man. Uh, poor Doc. 1998, the year, of course, that we all remember that, you know, Undertaker threw mankind off the top of hell of the cell, twenty feet straight down through the announcer's table. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I read that Mick Foley apparently just uh, came out and said that he didn't actually feel a thing that there was like a it was all padded underneath the announcer table and stuff. There no, was just, yeah, no. I, I, I read that yesterday. I don't, I haven't verified it, but um, it was on like ProWrestlingSports.net yeah, no, or something lying, like that. Because I just watched a a YouTube clip uh, last week of uh, Undertaker and and Mick watching that at, for the anniversary, 
watching it together. There's no padding under that table. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just I watched him go through it again. Yeah, no, he. Uh, okay. There's nothing under there. I, I see. I went back into the Ventura gate. There was nothing under there. <laughs> you tell me how you fall twenty feet down through an announcer's table. I only <laughs> sat behind the announcer's table with Monsoon and that pumpy-haired McMahon. Pumpy-haired? Yeah. I like it. He's got one of those pompadours you talk about. Is I only saw one bigger on Bill Clinton. <laughs> Once watched him doing lines up low while he was banging hookers two at a time in a pizza parlor while his wife was just sending emails. <laughs> conspiracies uh, abound all while playing the sax don't know how he managed it but he did it well the he saxophone's what got the girls in the building you understand that's just oh. sex it's a saxophone uh, when he's playing it yeah that's i've right. seen this saturday i think it was saturday night no, it was arsenio yeah. hall it was arsenio hall? okay <laughs> man we're yes and and all over the place here okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, so following Beautiful the war, friends. he became commanding general of the Marine Barracks in Quantico, Virginia. Butler won national attention by taking thousands of his men on long field marches, many of which he led from the front. Again, no surprise. Uh, he took them to Gettysburg and other Civil War battle sites where they conducted large-scale reenactments before crowds of distinguished spectators. Smedley Butler, I top from the bottom. <laughs> it's all the powers on the bottom, okay? <laughs> God, okay. So in 1921, during one of these training exercises uh, near the Wilderness Battlefield here in Virginia, he was told by a local farmer that Stonewall Jackson's arm was buried nearby, to which he replied, Bosh! I will take a squad of Marines and dig up that spot to prove you wrong. So he did. Butler dug up the spot with his group of Marines and found Stonewall Jackson's arm buried in a box. Which and he, he said, then, by the eternal boys, it's a phantom limb. <laughs> well, because, you know, like during the Civil War, Stonewall Jackson's arm got like, you know, cut off. Right. And so apparently he was told that's where it was buried. So he took his guys there. They dug it up, found the arm in a wooden box. And, uh, you know, to Butler's credit, he replaced the wooden box that he found the arm in with a metal one and reburied the arm. Now, did they fingerprint the fucking thing or was it like a letter of authenticity was Property filed away? Property of Stonewall Jackson. Please return if found. <laughs> or did he have a distinguishing tattoo that we're not familiar with that Smedley recognized? It was actually the Marine's crest all up and down his bicep. Well, okay, that's fair. I guess it could have been some other random arm, but given the location and the know. fact that there's like a legend of like that Stonewall Jackson's arm is buried okay. somewhere in this general vicinity, and then you dig up the spot and you find a random ass arm with I, like I, Confederate. Did you, did you know there was actually an, another team that was trying to get there at the same time? It was an arms race. It was, oh, well done. You're well welcome. Goddamn arms race. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I, you know what? I actually think that the farmer committed murder and was burying, you know, body parts out. And what better way to get rid of, like, throw all sorts of sense? Just, oh, yeah, that's where he lost his arm. Stonewall yeah. Jackson, you know? It's a perfect crime. By the way, this podcast, sponsored by Parker Brothers, <laughs> where, uh, the makers of the ever popular children's games. Uh, Monopoly and Clue, which Michael was just referring to. So you can play your own version of it was the farmer in the hayfield with Stonewall Jackson's arm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next week, join us in. So yes, please check out all of the glorious Parker Brothers sponsored games if you enjoy us here at the Disinformed Podcast. 
Nice ad break. I like it. Oh, thank you. Yes. So, so after finding the arm, replacing the wooden box with a metal one, he reburies it. He leaves a plaque on the granite monument marking the burial place of Jackson's arm. Here lies Stonewall Jackson's arm. Yeah, pretty much. Man who had arm wrestle. I mean, uh-huh. in some ways, it's kind of funny because if you think of his military career, it's already got so much stuff that's like mind blowing. But then here, he's just told there's, you know, a, a, a civil war general's arm is somewhere in this field and he finds the bloody arm. Like what? Just a random story to tell. Very, very surprising. Uh, so I have to ask, did he salute the arm as he lowered it back into the gravesite? Sure. They gave it a, a <laughs> 21 finger gun salute, as I, I think, recall. And I think as it was going down and being lowered, the arm just gave a thumbs up as it was being as lowered. As it sank into the, yeah, there you yeah. go. Hasta la vista, baby. That's uh, right. <laughs> what it sounds like to me is a waste of government resources because he could have been spending that time defending the country, not searching for abandoned fucking limbs. Well, and all those Civil War, you know, soldier uniforms back in the day, they had little bells and stuff. So, I mean, the, the arm was really jingling all the way as it was lowered down. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stretch, but you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> My voice cracked for emphasis. He was being chased around by a kindergarten cop who was trying to enforce the law about bad jokes, but uh, we managed to escape unscathed. Waka waka. It was surprising. He got slapped in the face and he forgot it, but eventually later he had total recall of it. Well done. I also understand as Smedley was performing that search, he was going commando. Ooh. He had to he had to reclothe real quick because there was a predator afoot. Yes, well, that's uh, how we got the predator in the first place. From what I understand, <laughs> all right, I'm going to terminate this and move back on to. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, good. I was out. I didn't have any others off the top of my head. Uh, don't oh, worry, well. I'll be back to it. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> so maybe need to maybe, chill. maybe we'll have. Yeah, I was going to say Batman Forever here. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I was I did the wrong quote. I was still talking about Commando. You need to let off some steam, Bennett. Like, right at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's like caged it's heat one. over here. Well, I mean, Strange. Arnie's actually, like, I guess he would, in some ways, he's right now the current DCEU Mr. Freeze, I guess, isn't he? Because well, Clooney's back. You say that, but at the same time, uh, I feel like DC is about to eraser it. <laughs> no, that well, that's 100% true, yeah. You know, Eraser uh, was filmed in Vancouver, and the the big building that blows up in that movie is the Vancouver Public Library. I remember seeing that movie in theaters and I was like, and they blew up hey. the library. Yeah, but they, it's not the library in the movie, but like the actual building is the Vancouver Public Library. And I remember when it blew up and you see Arnie running from it. I was like, ah, that was the library. I just got books from there. <laughs> Guess I don't have to return them tomorrow. Those, uh, <laughs> those sound to me like true lies. Ah, nice. No mm, lies detected though. Thank you. All right. So going back to Smedley here. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. <laughs> in 1924, the newly elected mayor of Philadelphia, W. Freeland Kendrick, asked President Calvin Coolidge to lend the city a military general to help him rid Philadelphia's municipal government of crime and corruption. So, at the urging of Butler's father, who you might remember held a influential congressional seat. Oh, yes. That has been held for many a generation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Which was so, accumulated through his sister's cousin's niece's nephew's grandfather's uncle's cousin. I see you took notes. Well done. Uh, You're yes, ready for the test. Yes, I'm ready. Yes. So at the urging of Butler's father, Coolidge authorized Butler to take the necessary leave from the Marine Corps to serve as Philadelphia's director of public safety. 
in charge of running the city's police and fire departments from January 1924 until December 25. So he's the fucking Elliot Ness of the 20s. Yeah, but pretty oh. much in all honesty. So God in, in Philadelphia here, he goes there and he takes a hard line against vice while trying to disrupt protection rackets operated by corrupt police officers. So he saw it all as part of a broader fight against, quote, gangsterism. Ah, so what you're saying is that in West Philadelphia, born and raised, born and raised. on the playground is where he spent most of his days. That's chilling right. Chilling out Max but and relaxing all cool. He was not cool. chilling out Max. No, he was not relaxing. He was there to kick ass and take names. Uh, he was there to kick, eat ass and <laughs> chew bubblegum, as you've said previously. Yes, He's all out of bubblegum. <laughs> it right. is the city of brotherly love, so I imagine that would fit in well for a tattooed man, but uh, mm-hmm. barrel-chested and all. <laughs> so... Since he had not been given authority to fire corrupt police officers, what he did instead was he switched entire units from one part of the city to another in order to undermine the local protection rackets and profiteering that they'd set up. So kind of smart. You know, you don't have the authority to fire them, so you just move them around, mix it up there. It's like a practice they still keep to this day? Oh, well, like the Catholic Church does anyways. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, that, but I mean, like, police officers, they'll, like, they'll move them around to other units and stuff like that if they get banned for a reason, you know, like, shooting people or beating people up or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, if we learned anything from the Gary Heidnick episode, it's that the folks in Philadelphia were not detail-oriented police officers. Very true. You can shoot a cop on your front lawn and they'll be like, ah, go ahead. You're good. Yeah. You're good. You're still good. Just just do what you need to do. You're fine. So within, Have a good day, citizen. That's right. So within 48 hours of taking over, Butler organized raids on more than 900 speakeasies, ordering that they be padlocked and destroyed in many cases. God. Angelo Bruno, the head of the Bruno Scarfo mob family, once said that the only thing him and Capone could agree on was that Butler had to get, quote, iced. I, so, is is this in fact just the Elliot Ness story? Just you know, slid over into Philadelphia? No, I got nothing with uh, no. Like okay. this is all right. Yeah, no, he's he's there mixing stuff up there. So, in addition to raiding the speakeasies, he also attempted to eliminate other illegal activities, including bootlegging, prostitution, gambling, and police corruption, as we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So, more zealous than he was political, he ordered crackdowns on the social elite's favorite hangouts such as the Ritz-Carlton and the Union League, as well as on as well as on drinking establishments that serve the working class. So he was a man, you know, that was just there to stop corruption of all kinds, right? So he wasn't worried about the politics of it. So he'd go in there and he'd hop into like the high class hotels if they were drinking, you know, and during prohibition here mm-hmm. and crack down there, but he'd also go to like the the working class spots and crack down over there as well. Is the Ritz in Philadelphia? Yeah, the Ritz-Carlton. Or at least the one that he was cracking down on. That's not a lie. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so although he was effective in reducing crime and police corruption, he was a controversial leader. In one What? Si- yeah, shocking. I know. No. In one instance, he made a statement that he would promote the first officer to kill a bandit and stated, quote, I don't believe there is a single bandit notch on any policeman's gun in the city. Go out and get some. I want uh, my scalps. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like, did he uh, actually say that about bandits? He did, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the, the quote bandit, but I mean, like, if you think about, like, you know, I don't think that there's any, like, you know, 
bad guys or criminals right. or we're, hoods or just insert any word. It's like we're in the 20s here. It's, it, we're not necessarily using modern nomenclature. Well, yes, I understand that. But I guess when I hear bandits, I hear people coming out of the forest and stealing gold and stuff like that. So I mean, uh, for, for context, this is also, you know, we're floating around a time where we've just finished the, the Wild West days, basically. So true. bandit seems like an appropriate term, but... Yeah, but what Fair. doesn't seem terribly appropriate is like, hey, you guys aren't killing enough of these bastards. Go out, go out and kill some. Again, go we're, we're yeah. just out of the uh, the Wild West days. This is how you regulate in these uh, civilized societies. That's right. So he implemented programs. And so outside of doing all of that, of course, he also did implement programs to improve city safety and security. So he established policies and guidelines for the administration and developed a Philadelphia police uniform that actually resembled the Marine Corps uniform. So up until that point, they didn't have like a set uniform for the police necessarily. Uh, so he just got that kind of well-organized, professional-looking uh, other changes that he made included setting up military-style checkpoints into the city and bandit-chasing squads who were armed with sawed-off shotguns and armored police cars. Yeehaw! He also personally escorted most of the escorts home after they had been apprehended. Wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that they made about, it safe. Yeah. I was yeah. going to ask about how he attempted to, uh, you know, clean the city up of prostitution. Yeah, it's... But, I mean, it, just think of, about living in Philadelphia at that time, right? So, on one hand, before he gets there, you've got this, like, super unsafe spot where crime is rampant and... You know, it's unsafe to walk the streets at night. He gets there, and yes, the city gets a lot safer because you've got these police with their sawed-off shotguns and mm-hmm. police cars going and chasing out these guys. Yeehaw. But he's also setting up these checkpoints so that just to get home, you have to start going through these these checkpoints there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it's... It's like being under martial law, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also, why would you leave your house? What is there to do? He killed all the fun. <laughs> Literally, all, this, all them, all them speakeasies, man, and well, and other things. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can go get deputized, and then you can just go kill bandits. That's right. <laughs> go take this shotgun. Don't come back until it's empty out here. Yeehaw! <laughs> I don't know why I gave him a Texan accent, I, and that even then that was <laughs> that still was mildly not offensive. A <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I didn't come down out of the Smoky Mountains, swim myself across 200 feet of water. Just to not have you all kill 400 bandits while I'm here? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So these controversial tactics bothered some in the city who resented the reductions in their civil rights. Moreover, Butler frequently swore in his weekly radio addresses, causing many citizens to suggest that his behavior, and particularly his language, was inappropriate for someone of his rank and stature. Some even suggested that Butler was acting like a military dictator, even charging that he wrongfully used active-duty Marines in some of his raids. Oh, that's a big no-no. But the cursing, that's what we're really worried about. That's right. About. Well, oh, and that's yeah. why I'm really trying to rein it in here. You know, I, like, I see how they were bothered by it, and I'm like, you know what? I, I admire Smedley in some aspects, but in this, I got to... God bless America. <laughs> I, I learned a and, lot from our good friend, Colonel Harlan Sanders, which is like, sometimes you just have to, you know, go with your character. That's and, right. And I mean, like, these are God fearing people, too. So if you don't want to do the God bless America thing, you might be like, you know, if you're tempted to be like, oh, Jesus Christ, you just be like, oh, cheese and rice. It works. Oh, zounds. Or, you <laughs> know, you, you can just curse. It, well, that's what Butler chose to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because and that's it, why he earned another nickname. Old curse sides. <laughs> 
I couldn't come up with a better ad lib. I believe he was referred to as uh, Captain Potty Mouth, I believe. Uh, Uh, Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. General potty mouth to you, sir. Well, <laughs> the Bible does teach us that uh, even if you aren't actually cursing, it is the intent in your heart. So any word that you say becomes a curse by your intentions. I think that's right around the passages of the websites that you're allowed to see mm-hmm. and not see, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Ecclesiastes 2514. <laughs> <laughs> So eventually, Butler's leadership style and the directness of actions undermined his support within the community, so his departure seemed pretty imminent. Uh, Mayor Kendrick reported to the press, quote, I had the guts to bring General Butler to Philadelphia, and I have the guts to fire him. Just kind of humorous, right? He's like, I was dumb enough to bring him here, and by golly, I'm dumb enough to fire him. Um, <laughs> I brought just, you into this world and I'm going to take you out. Honestly, it sounds a little bit like my mom there. <laughs> I'm not. You were lying. conceived into this world <laughs> at exactly 6 p.m. We're going to celebrate the, the National Smedley Hiring Day. <laughs> you know, that's coming up, I think, a week from today, July oh, 6, God. actually. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ha- oh, happy Doc Day for everybody out there. Be sure you celebrate. Oh. That's right. <laughs> So I hope y'all, you know, (laughs) fry up some kielbasa and swallow them without (laughs) chewing. (laughs) Oh, Oh God. (laughs) We're all going to be eating a big plate of Franks and beans on Doc Day. (laughs) All right. All right. So so Butler... Butler's seen the storm clouds gathering. Okay. Uh, Begin preparations for returning to the Marine Corps. Um, Okay, so not all of the citizens felt that Butler was doing a bad job, though. And when the news started to leak that he would be fired, people began to gather at the Academy of Music. A group of 4,000 supporters assembled and negotiated a truce between him and the mayor to keep him in Philadelphia for a while longer, and the president authorized a one-year extension. I'm such a juvenile man. I'm over here laughing because you used the word leak after we talked about Doc Day. You know, honestly, as soon as I said leak and I saw your face, I was like, he's going to say something, but I was Uh, like, just keep going. Nope. Mm -hmm. Barrel through it. (laughs) Well, clearly not much leaked out, or at least not enough to... Yeah, enough of the bat- baby batter was there for me to still be around. God, here we go. Oh, this is the old Stephen King line. The best part of you <laughs> ran down the inside of your mom's thigh. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did All that right. really so, happen with the 4,000 supporters? And Sure did. No, I wasn't asking the other part about the leg trippings. <laughs> Goddamn, Doc. Did any of your mom's kids live? Yes, the 4,000 supporters gathered and... And managed a truce between him and the mayor. That's funny. It's more than it's more than Trump got. Yeah. (laughs) So so Butler devoted much of his second year to executing arrest warrants, cracking down on crooked police, and enforcing prohibition. On January first, nineteen twenty-six, his leave from the Marine Corps ended, and the president declined a request for a second extension. Butler received orders to report to San Diego and prepared his family and his belongings for the new assignment. Wow, he's he's just jumping shore to shore. That's right. But I mean, he got there, he cleaned it up, and now it's time to mosey on. So in light of his pending departure, though, he began to defy the mayor and other key city officials there still in Philadelphia. 
On the eve of his departure, he had an article printed in the paper that stated he had an intention to stay and, quote, finish the job, just to mess with the mayor. The mayor was surprised and furious when he read the press release the next morning, and he demanded Butler's resignation. Except Butler was already leaving. He was just doing it to fuck with the guy. (laughs) In response, Butler went and put a crack in the sacred Liberty Bell. That's right. (laughs) With his fists. Actually, it was his chest. Oh, that's fair. He, so, <laughs> he lost a good portion of the uh, North American continent with uh, you know doing that particular maneuver. But and if and on really cl- crisp, clean days, you can actually see the imprint of his chest in yep. the bell. See, unfortunately, you guys are both wrong. Actually, what he did is he went back up and he dug Stonewall's Jackson's arm up, <laughs> used that, gave it a couple good whacks, and then he went nope. back and buried the arm. His, his nipple was so hard it actually just embedded in the metal, and that's what caused the crack initially. <laughs> Mm, Ding. That's, you, you're probably right, actually. Yeah, yeah. So after almost two years in office in Philadelphia, Butler resigned, stating that, quote, cleaning up Philadelphia was worse than any battle I was ever in. Damn, <laughs> he did not boop. say that, did he? He did say that, yes. Ooh, salty. <laughs> and he yeah. earned his other nickname, Old Philadelphia Freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's always su- uh, sunny in Butlerania. Yep, that's uh, hence the Elton John song of the same name. Uh, is a pure tribute to Smedley Butler. So from 1927 to 1929, Butler was commander of a Marine Expeditionary Force in China. So he was only in San Diego very briefly, and then Ah. he got sent over to China. Founded Comic-Con while he was there, but... Correct, yeah. Yeah. So while there... Well, then he went to China just to, like, explore anime options and whatnot. I mean, it's Um, just... He actually invented anime while on the way to China. (laughs) Just like my Japanese animes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So he's he's basically the fucking Forrest Gump of this podcast at this point. So might <laughs> the, the as well. The man is everywhere. That's right. Yeah, man's everywhere. He's interacting with future presidents, current presidents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's pretty funny. He, just like Michelle Branch, he's everywhere to me. Mm-hmm. And when we close our eyes, it's he's all that we can see. Well, well his it's, giant it's, tattoo, yeah, it just haunts. Well, that's me. fair. It just yeah, his giant tattoo makes me believe I'm not alone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and when I think about him, sometimes I run it up the flagpole and see who still looks, but no one ever does. Everywhere I see, (laughs) tell me, are you Smedley? It's funny, you went there. I was going with flagpole Sita, like little Harvey Yes, I know, yes. But see, I was still back on Michelle Branch. That's uh, He wasn't done yet. I'm not, and and, and, in fact. Neither is Smedley. You're going to try to tell me that you're a Harvey Danger fan. Uh, name five. I can Ooh. name the one. I can. <laughs> okay. Uh, give me one other Harvey Danger song. No, that's literally, I said I can oh, name the one. Oh, you motherfucker. Okay. Well, uh, I, lest I be called out on, on any of this as a, a Pike Street to Park Slope, Private Helicopter, Jack the Lion, and Carlotta Valdez. So there are another four fucking Harvey Danger songs. You know, what's sad is I actually listened to the entirety of that album that the Flagpole Seat is on like uh, two months ago. Where have all the Merrymakers gone? Yeah, and so you would think I would be able to name at least one, but really I have the brain of a a ferret, you know, something pops Ah, in and pops right out, yeah. And uh, Eddie Vedder has the brain of JFK, so... Mm-hmm. It's like Homer said. Every time I learn something new, it pushes old, something old out of my brain. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! 
So again, so from 27 to 29, he's commander of a Marine Expeditionary Force in China. While there, he cleverly parlayed his influence among the various generals and warlords to the protection of U.S. interest, ultimately winning the public acclaim of contending Chinese leaders. When he returned to the United States in 1929, he was promoted to Major General, becoming, at age 48, the youngest Major General of the Marine Corps. But the death of his father on May 26, 1928, ended the Pennsylvania Cong- Congress, sorry, ended Cronk. the Pennsylvania <laughs> Congressman's ability to protect Smedley from political retribution for his outspoken views. So daddy's dead, daddy's gone, so too is Smedley's protection. Oh, I mean, no. the guy was 48. <laughs> well, did, did he really <laughs> need, like, that protection? Well, did you hear how he, like, swears and he fucks with the mayor of Philadelphia just because and, like... You know, he's going around doing really whatever the hell he wants to. So, you know, the oh, the guys I figure it was his notoriety of, you know, fighting in a bunch of wars well, and having all this acclaim. And well, he already has the two purple promoted. hearts, right? I feel like he can actually, you know, carry himself. I would say like, yeah, I feel like the man has gotten shot enough. He doesn't have the continent of South America on his chest anymore. I feel like he's earned <laughs> the you know ability to say fuck every once in no, a while. No, but that's what's keeping his job and that's what's getting him promoted. But he's but you have to play politics in this kind of stuff, too. Right. So his mouth I is going to get him in trouble or not oh, give him future yeah, promotions. Well. Right. And daddy used to be able to protect him because daddy had the purse strings of the Marines. Right. But now daddy's gone. Well, see, I think if he gets into any sort of political turmoil, all you got to do is give him a horse. He yeah. could take on four hundred yeah, people I by mean, himself. True, yeah. if, if if you're mounted, you're you're basically bulletproof. From uh, from uh, from last episode, my understanding, I mean, according to both of you, uh, as long as you're mounted, no, according yeah, to Michael. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't throw me in that. I, uh, you, can, you know what? All I'm going to say is he was probably usually mounted anyway or mounting. Well, and we'll keep when you're it hung like Smedley, you're going to be mounted quite often. Uh, you know, it's it's actually how uh, Indiana Jones did survive that nuclear blast. It turns out he was mounted before he got into the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the late <laughs> so 1920s, Smedley's children were in college. And he needed some supplementary income. He had kids? Yeah, I told you this he last episode. Income? He had three episodes, uh, three kids, yeah. He's been bouncing <laughs> he around his family. three episodes. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's not Man. what I refer to them as, but uh, I guess <laughs> happy dog day. <laughs> Several epileptic fits. I had an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, uh, I, oh, man. I had an episode and someone needed a towel. I, yeah, I had an episode and nine months later, hello. <laughs> Moist towelette, yes. That's right. So, And we celebrate that day every year. But yeah, remember he got married, he had three kids, so they're I, bouncing no, around with him no, this whole time. I, I was just, you know, I thought he was just, you know, chasing down Haitian women. No, sir. So I mean. <laughs> so no, by this point, late 1920s, kids are in college and he's like, I need some more money. So he soon realized that there was an audience for his stories, right? Because the man's got quite a, quite the tales to tell, right? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, though, sometimes these stories got him in trouble. So, for instance, in 1931, Smedley Butler violated diplomatic norms by publicly recounting gossip that Benito Mussolini, uh, about Benito Mussolini, in which the dictator allegedly struck and killed a child with his speeding automobile in a hit-and-run accident and said as he moved on to the passenger, it was only one life. What is one life in the affairs of the state? So 
Smedley's going around telling people like Benito just killed this kid and didn't care and moved on, right? Because it was Smedley's friend that was in the car. So the Italian government protested and President Hoover, who strongly disliked Smedley, forced Secretary of the Navy Charles Adams to court-martial him. So Smedley <laughs> Butler, yeah, Smedley Butler became the first general officer to be placed under arrest since the Civil War. I mean, imagine if he told the story about Generalissimo Franco. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But just, I mean, like, that's, again, thinking of all the stuff that we've already covered with Smedley. Now he's the first, you know, general officer to be placed under arrest since the Civil War. That's, like, another thing that's going to be all over the papers. Like, it's just nuts, right, that, that this guy that's led this life is now doing this. However, get this. Because of his rank, he was able to write his own reprimand and never actually had to apologize to Mussolini. Good. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Hashtag witch hunt. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love that. I did everything right. And yeah. I was still. <laughs> I did nothing wrong. I could talk shit about Mussolini. Basically, that's essentially what it is. Like, you know, he, he gets himself in shit. The president and whatnot says he's got to be court martialed. That just leads to him saying, okay, fine, I'll write my own reprimand. Eh, all's well. Didn't even bother to apologize. Like, fuck I mean, that guy. it was Hoover. Let's not pretend that we're shocked. Yeah, yeah he's pretty. Su- he sucked pretty badly. That- <laughs> nice, nice. It's a very heavy joke. Yes, thank you. So, <laughs> when Commandant of the Marine Corps, Major General Wendell Neville, died in July of 1930, Butler, at that time the senior Major General in the Corps, was a candidate for the position. So this is like the head honcho mm. of the Marines. A uh, quick question. What yes. was his punishment that he created for himself? Did he have oh, to, just, you know, no, like, just, write, I will not invoke the name of Mussolini on a chalkboard 500 times? No, he just had a <laughs> reprimand go into his file and that was it, which oh. didn't even do anything of it. It literally amounted to nothing. He had didn't a even get, waggling. I was like, he didn't even get paddled a couple hundred times? No, but oh, I mean, I mean gotta, if he did, it wasn't because of the punishment. Tattoo but, removal kit. But it was only because of his rank. And then also you got to keep in mind, this is the U.S. also wanting to save face a little bit, right? You've got this like well-decorated Marine, the most decorated Marine mm. in U.S. history. You know, what Before are you going to do John Cena, yeah. Yes, that's true, as we've covered. Um, so with that in mind, I have to ask, is that whole story bullshit? It is Was not. he actually – oh, he was reprimanded and all that. Okay. Yeah, but he wrote his own reprimand. Yeah. Okay. So no, all true. Mm. So again, so – when the, the major guy, the commandant, dies, he's up for that position, right? And he is the senior major general in the Corps, so he's a candidate for the position. He thinks he's got a good chance at it, right? However, with the recent death of his influential father, however, Butler had lost much of his protection from his sub, um, from his civilian superiors. So the outspokenness that characterized his run-ins with the mayor of Philadelphia, the, quote, unreliability mentioned by his superiors when they were opposing Butler's posting to the Western Front, and his comments about Benito resurfaced, caused him some grief, right? So in the end, the position of Commandant went to another general, and Butler, who was considered far less controversial than Butler. So with this, you know, Butler's a proud man, Mm -hmm. and was expecting to get this position, but because of all the shit that he's gone through, and not being able to close his damn mouth, he doesn't get it. So... What are you to do except say, well, fuck this. You don't want me to be the boss. Then I'm going to retire and leave active duty. I mean, better than what I thought he was going to do. I thought he was just going to invade a South American country. <laughs> no, not, not 
well, stay tuned to part three. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck. He did what every self respecting, (laughs) cursing, tattooed longshoreman does goes back to Philadelphia. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) This time with Uncle Phil. (laughs) So, and that's what I have for us. We're leaving with him retiring from active duty, not getting the top box. Top job. So <laughs> the top bobs as well. <laughs> the the top, top job. He bob. did not have an appreciable dock day. No top bobs. No top bobs at all. <laughs> Just a handy. He, not Only very bottom happy. cogs. Who cares he about got handies? He, he got a handy from Stonewall Jackson, as a matter of strength. Oh, sh- actually, you know what? That could be a handy I could be into. Okay, so you're <laughs> necrophilic now. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Too many trains, man. I'm, I'm, you, you, I'm just adding shit. to Doc's lore. Add, I'm just adding oh, to no. the, the lore of Doc. The happy Doc Day. <laughs> Hope you got a dead hand and a mouthful of sausage. July 6th, baby. <laughs> That's how you celebrate. That's never mind. <laughs> call, call, never call. mind. <laughs> Feel like there's a new subcategory of Pornhub for you every time I talk to you. I don't know what it is. But... Uh so. Uh, as we, as I said at the start, there was two lies. We got so, one. That's right, you did. Anybody want to take any stabs at the final one there? He he, not once, not never went to Philadelphia. No, he did. In fact, I I had hinted around <laughs> other things, but I'm just going to keep stabbing at the same spot. <laughs> Eventually, you'll just give up and let me win. No, you know so, what? You're right. He never went to Philadelphia. I don't care. <laughs> no, that okay. Caught me. <laughs> yeah, no, it is very funny. I don't know if you all are familiar with when Elliot Ness went and and took over um, rule of law essentially in Cleveland and was the the public safety commissioner there. And it was when they were having the famous torso killings. But uh, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, sub chapter of the the life and crimes of Elliot Ness there. So interesting thing for a parallel. Yeah, it was quite interesting. quite interesting actually when you brought that up, and you brought that up right around the area of the lie. The second lie, uh, sorry, Michael, did you have any stabs that you nope. want? No, okay. The second lie then was when I just mentioned the uh, Angelo Bruno, the head of the Bruno Scarfo mob family, once saying that the only uh, thing he and Capone could agree on was that Butler had to get iced. That okay. that quote is just BS. Yeah, that. yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <sighs> well, so, go figure. Yeah, but but uh, so there was that. But I also felt that it was like reminiscent of all that mob stuff there. So I was like, that would probably oh, just slide. Yeah, I felt like it would probably just slide in there nicely. The uh, the tearing of the both quads. I had a pretty good feeling you'd probably grab that. Mm. But I but I felt like it would be funny if you didn't catch it, and then at the end, <laughs> I would have called it. But then I started recounting everything about Vince McMahon, and I just didn't call out the lie. Let me Dang tell you it. something about McMahon. <laughs> tried to unionize that motherfucker wouldn't give anybody good contract money but i sued the bastard i got back pay for all of my work with coliseum video i don't know if you heard me i i used to do the commentary for a lot of the you know wwf releases at the time i then went so- worked for ted turner for world championship wrestling had to work with this dipshit shivani hey don't talk about tony like that <laughs> Tony's great. Got enough so, coming him to shampoo a water buffalo off. Shed that. <laughs> <laughs> Man's got 17 kids. Arn Anderson makes like he made that joke. I got there before he did. You tell me who made that joke first. I was there. <laughs> so let with me ask, Smedley Butler. Yeah, let me ask you this. Are you guys at all familiar with Smedley then? Because 
if God no. Well, the only reason why I ask is because I am kind of shocked that neither of you tried to call bullshit on the whole arm fiasco. When I came across that stuff, I was like, that just screams like a lie. Like he finds Stonewall Jackson's arm. I, mm. I thought for sure somebody would call bullshit there, but you guys were just like, yep, yeah, no, sounds legit. I mean, for all the other absurdity that has taken place over the course of now two episodes here, I find very little that I, I can't believe in the course of this story. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I yeah. know some uh, things about him. I've listened to a podcast on him, but the arm thing on him. It, <laughs> now I'm what? just fucking agog. You've actually gotten data download into your brain about this individual and you're you're still whiffing on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was also like several you. years ago. Oh, okay, well, so. that's helpful context, I suppose. Yes, <laughs> I didn't just listen to it. <laughs> Two so. days ago, as a matter of <laughs> yeah. fact. Technically, I did I, just listen to a podcast about him last week. Uh, oh, fair um, enough, yeah. Fair, true. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was honestly, I genuinely shocked because when I, when I was putting this part, I was like, okay, so the first one had some good stuff. It had the spy nonsense and he's getting the medals and all that. And then I was like, well, part two, two, I'm bringing in the arm business there. And, you know, and that's kind of interesting and stuff. So I was like, okay, this is getting well spursed out. And then when I go to the arm thing, I'm like, I'm all ready to have you guys jump in and be like, that's got to be bullshit, right? And I was just like, oh, man, I th- is that not as weird as I thought it was weird? No, I feel you, like that's are you not weird. entertained? As of right now, if you told me that Smedley's fucking necrotic corpse is what's actually <laughs> poisoning the water in Flint, Michigan, I'd probably believe you. Well, again, stay tuned for part three. <laughs> that's not there a conspiracy. I know. I found the body myself. I was there. I placed it there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I placed See, it there. I was <laughs> the governor of Minnesota at the time, which is actually really close to Michigan. I don't know if you know this, but uh talked it over the border. Yeah, I just wade into the water. I actually found those children that were killed down there in Arkansas as well. Okay. Found All right. that uh, <laughs> Diablo carving down there that they were talking <laughs> nice. about. That's, well done. Yeah. Well done. But yeah, gentlemen, so that was that was that. Thank you for joining me for part two. Oh, Next yes. week we will have the exciting conclusion of the life and times of Smithley Butler. Oh, that will be the official doc day then. Mm-hmm. When we hit the yes. climax. And I will splooge all over this podcast. I, okay, you didn't need to be literal. <laughs> we were we were having fun with the double entendres, but no, you just gotta Took it too far. Race to the happy ending, why don't you? I, uh, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I've heard that. Well, uh, he had an episode. <laughs> now look at him. And if you've all had an episode, there are myriad ways that you can express <laughs> your joy other than coating our face, neck, and chest. You can tell us by, you know, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We would love to hear from you. Of course, if you haven't subscribed already, why wouldn't you? I mean, this is just delightful. There's new episodes winging your way every lovely Monday. So, I mean, it's fairly predictable. Maybe you just like to, you know, try to catch it in situ, uh, get it as a gamble that maybe you might just find it in the wild. But hit subscribe. It'll just, you know, it'll download on its own. You don't even have to try anymore. It's fantastic. And, of course, we got new material winging your way every fantastic Friday over on the Tubes of You. If you don't know how to find these things, there is a link tree down in the show notes that'll take you to all of the relevant socials. I noticed that Michael has given up the battle on including any of the uh, listed <laughs> references that we've now included that, uh, you know, these can be gotten on request. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we didn't even ask for Doc to provide his sources for last week's That's episode. So <laughs> the true. sources are just, they're just completely thrown to the wind now. So, yes, if you're curious, just ask us. No one's done it in 200 episodes. I haven't had a single person call into question any of the sources that are used. So, yes, maybe it's a waste of time and text. You tell us in a comment. Yes! Engage! Engage! Yes. yes. Let us know. I'm sure that Jess will be happy to facilitate. But uh, I think that is going to officially wrap this rascal up for this week. And uh, to all of you out there who want to celebrate along with us, happy Doc Day. Thank you. I know I'll you. be celebrating. 7-6. You can all send me messages just like I'm sure my mother will. I was there when it happened. <laughs> Jesse Ventura. I would know. I was there. I was there. <laughs> I'm a Navy With Shield. I can hold my breath for 14 minutes straight, which is really helpful in cunnilingus. <laughs> I still took part in the Boxer Rebellion. It was my cock fighting through the little peephole out in the front there. Oh, God. Tell me I can't play in your goddamn rebellion i installed my banana republic on her okay oh, the situation's getting a little hairy i said 80 percent less jesse uh all right so that's i think we can cut it short but uh, for all of us here to all of you there mind yourself watch for the governator the original governator uh it's gonna be a terrible and terrifying time but for all of us here at the disinformed podcast to all of you out there love peace and soul for the week we hope you're having a great one and we're going to wish you an adieu. So for the Discord podcast this week and the 18th time that I can say that phrase, I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. <laughs> and zippity zoop, we're out of here. It's not your fucking name. <laughs> <laughs>